0: Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz, live here at 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, WXVW. The Big X, I'm Kelly Patrick, alongside my man Chris Embry. We're getting you through these two hours this morning. We got plenty to talk about. Chris, how are you today?
1: Doing pretty good.
0: Appreciate you making it in. We were both in Lexington last night for HR MMA 108, 15 MMA fights on the card. We had one youth grappling uh, match, so it was a great night of fights at Heritage Hall, pretty much the lower level of Rupp Arena, but Chris, you've turned into a staple at those events, and man, I, I absolutely love it. They're so much fun.
1: Absolutely. It was uh, one of the best cards I've seen in a while. Um, a lot of entertaining matchups, and uh, you know, there's always a little controversy uh it seems like you know somebody think- uh feels like it was called wrong if it goes to decision, but you know uh very entertaining uh group of fights last night, and uh I actually got uh a few uh pieces of memorabilia thrown my way last night.
0: Oh, that's right, Corey Holbrook, I'm gonna bring up the card here, but before we get into that, I want to yeah. remind our listeners. We are brought to you by Louisville Combat Academy, located at 10105 Dixie Highway, Louisville, Kentucky, 40272. Louisville Combat Academy actually has the largest active stable of fighters at any gym in the state of Kentucky. They had one guy fight last night, Josh Dinette. He actually did lose, uh, but they're great people. The Fergusons, Brandon Bishop, of course, the owners. Uh, A.J. Jenkins and Holly Jenkins are great people, and we appreciate their support here on the Weekend Sports Buzz, not just for the Weekend Sports Buzz, but also for the Kelly Patrick Show. So thank you very much to Louisville Combat Academy. The Louisville Combat Academy buzz line is 502-384-1450. We would love to hear from you. We've got plenty to discuss this morning, but anything that stands out to you, we want to hear uh, you know your take on it? What you think, Chris? You you mentioned you had some memorabilia thrown at you. I saw one. I saw a, a Corey Holbrook was fighting against Ko Butler in the five round, one hundred and eighty five pound title fight, amateur title fight. And in the middle of the, I believe it was the third or fourth round, Ko Butler connected with a big right. Yeah. On Corey Holbrook, Holbrook. Utilizing some head movement, kind of went with the punch, but there was enough contact made at just the right spot that his mouthpiece flew out of his mouth, out of the cage, and hit Chris Embry right. That's right. Okay, was that the only piece of of equipment that hit you?
1: No. Uh, so I believe it was the fight. Right after that, um, where I. I forgot who actually, uh, it was the uh, blue corner. I forgot who the guy was, but he got hit uh, in the head so hard his contact lens flew out and landed right in front of me. So it was, uh, you know, a lot of things flying around last night. Very, uh, very good matchups with a lot of, it looked like there was a lot of anger built up between some of these fighters last night. Okay. I mean, for the most part, these guys respect each other, but I think there's there's been some trash talk uh, behind the scenes. Obviously, there was a little incident uh, at the weigh-in the day before.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, we contribute to that here on the Weekend Sports Buzz, and we take great pride in doing so. Absolutely. Now... I don't make things up, right? You know, I'm not... Um, I, I try to sometimes give people, give fighters a forum to, you know, to voice their opinions or their thoughts on a certain situation. I don't fictitiously try to stir things up for the sake of WWE ratings. However, you know, with, for example, that Dale Ray versus Damian Miller fight, that was a, a fight... That a lot of people came to see. It was the fifth fight on the card at a 15. So it was an amateur level fight. Daryl Ray used to actually coach Damian Miller. Oh,
1: I did not know that. Okay,
0: so that's a little bit of the backstory, Chris. And Daryl Ray, of course, has been here on the weekend sports buzz with us. He did the breaking demonstration in the parking lot.
1: Very entertaining guy.
0: Very entertaining guy uh, manages a gentleman's club up in northern Kentucky.
1: Gentlemen's, okay.
0: Gentlemen, that's where where gentlemen go. And you know he's a, he's a charismatic guy. Daryl Ray's very charismatic.
1: Absolutely. He has a uh, a bit of Barnum and Bailey in him. Okay. You know he he knows how to draw a crowd. I think he's good for hard rock MMA.
0: He got so booed when he walked out there. It was amazing. Yes, he says he's going to fight more, but he did not look good in the cage. Damian Miller, very impressive redemption story, almost for Damian Miller. Okay, Damian Miller had his his jaw broke horribly. Okay, so he's been out of the cage for over two years. Wow. Yep, and he was, he was, he's this smaller fighter. He's fought at one thirty five before,
1: and Daryl wh-
0: normally fights at one seventy.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big cut. substantial.
0: But Damian Miller was in great physical condition for this fight. I don't know that that Daryl Ray was, and Damian Miller scored a early first round knockout. So that was a substantial.
1: Yes. And what was the the uh, backstory on the animosity? If you'd like to fill us in, I know I heard about it, but I think you may have a little more insight. Well, you know, he
0: used to coach him. If you watch, you go back and watch. The cool thing about Hard Rock MMA is you can go back and watch the fights from all these cards, okay, on YouTube. It's free. Okay. And if you watch Damien's fights in the past, Daryl's always in his corner.
1: Daryl was his coach. And they look like they have... Well, I mean, just speaking from last night. Yeah. uh, You know, it looked like they were... Uh not fond of each other at all oh because no, not not fond at all the day before it during the weigh in, I believe Daryl Ray came out he's been wasn't he calling him uh, a leprechaun or something like that, right? Is that what I heard?
0: yeah, he had lucky charms at the weigh in
1: yeah, he was eating lucky charms he was eating
0: lucky charms, which makes for good photos in theatrics, but you know it it was uh. Pretty one-sided. Pretty one-sided. Supposedly, Daryl had said some rude things about Damien and his wife and back and forth and, you know, a lot of personal things that happened. Right. Uh, I don't know the exact—how they they turned away from each other, to be honest. I don't know the exact details of that, Chris. I don't— Yeah. (laughs) I'm just here giving people a forum, Chris, trying to stir stuff up and promote fights.
1: Right. Uh, I was anticipating— A little bit more than what I've seen there. Um,
0: Out of Daryl Ray? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He didn't look good. He did not look good. But the, the, really the story with Damian Miller is he left the Daryl Ray gym, which I guess some people would consider Daryl Ray's Dobusutai system to be almost a McDojo. Or are you familiar with that term?
1: Uh, I'm familiar with it, but I'm not well-versed in uh, what it entails, actually. Okay. An example of a McDojo. Would
0: be, let's say I, I'm a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, okay? Let's say I opened my own gym across the street from the place where I currently train. Right. The place I currently train has five black belts, okay? I've been training three years. They've got, you know, 15 people who've been training for 15 or 20 years, okay? Right. So let's say I had a little bit of training and somehow I financially could start up my own gym, and I started recruiting people to come to my gym, the Kelly Patrick Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy. There may be some legitimacy to it, but that would be, in, in, according to a lot of people, called a McDojo. Gotcha. Falsely yeah. representing your credentials as a uh, legitimate martial arts institution. Now, I'm not saying Daryl Ray's gym is an enti- it, it, completely a McDojo. He, he likes some traditional things like breaking boards and things like that. So uh, that does rub people the wrong way.
1: Yeah, okay? that's, so, that's so kind of looked down upon by the guys in the. Uh, in uh, mixed in a lot talks. of
0: MMA, but there is some traditional karate people, Jamel Muhammad, Harry Hunsucker, who do breaking demonstrations and have in the past, okay? So the, the real storyline here is Damian Miller trained with Daryl Ray for a while years. He left and he joined Georgetown MMA in Georgetown, Kentucky, started training with Adam Gomez and the team there. They've got a lot of people under the Killer Bees Association. So Damian Miller left his old gym, joined the new gym, which some would view as being more legitimate. Q Parks, I mean, the list goes on and on. Sandro. um, I mean, if you looked in the corner of Damian Miller. It was very impressive. Okay. Yeah. So so he left his old gym. He left Obasutai. He joined Georgetown MMA. And he was able to score the knockout win. So very impressive showing for Damian Miller. However, I don't know that the Daryl Ray train is completely over yet. He said last night, I saw a couple of places where he said, he plans on fighting again. So we'll see. We may. Who knows? Maybe we'll end up... Uh, Getting to see Daryl Ray back in the cage. There's a lot we're going to talk about this morning on the weekend sports buzz, Chris. I want to encourage everyone to give us a call on the Louisville Combat Academy buzz line, which is 502-384-1450. We're going to head to the buzz line now. We have our man Brian the Insider is on the line with us. How are you this morning, Brian?
2: Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing this morning? Happy Memorial Day weekend.
0: Same to you, Brian. Thank you so much. We appreciate your call, as always.
2: Yeah, I think it's a good time for all of us to reflect on what Memorial Day means and uh, thank all of our vets uh, and those that paid the ultimate sacrifice and uh, uh, visit a cemetery and pay your respects. So uh, everybody wants to talk about freedom. That's how we're free. So wanted to get that in. Hey, guys, I uh, really enjoyed the Eastern Conference Finals. Last night, uh, what a comeback by Toronto. I really thought Milwaukee had this uh, series wrapped up, you know, four or five days ago. But then uh, Toronto beat Milwaukee at home and then finished the job last night. Uh, and you really got to give them a lot of credit. I mean, they, uh, they've they made a real nice run. And Kawhi Leonard has really elevated his game. You know, he was the finals MVP easy to forget in 2014. So five years ago, he was the best player, you know, when the Spurs won it. So, uh, man, he really looks like he's the best player in the league this year, all the way around. And I've said it before on the show, he reminds me most of Michael Jordan of any player since Michael Jordan. Uh, not just because what he, he's, he's not as talented as Michael Jordan offensively, but he's a lockdown defender and, uh, he hits big shots. And, uh, Uh, I know that's a big uh, comparison there, but uh, uh, I really think Kawhi. One thing that bothers me, guys, and I know it's not illegal, but reports out this week that uh, LeBron uh, reached out to both Jimmy Butler and Kawhi this past week. And, you know, maybe not so upset about the Jimmy Butler deal, but Kawhi's in a playoff. And, you know, that's just, you know, I know it's not illegal, but once again, desperate third-team NBA LeBron trying to hold on to his uh, relevance and trying to beg anybody he can. He's proven that he can't do it by himself or even with a decent roster, Uh, and I'm not sure you could say that the Lakers had a decent roster, but throughout his career, how he wins, and I'm going back to his high school days, he's got to attract and recruit other players, but if I'm Kawhi, if I'm uh, you know Durant or any of these top free agents. Why do I want to go play with LeBron? Uh, Kawhi is the man at Toronto. He would not be the man. He would not be the guy with the ball in his hand at the end of the game. So I sure hope that doesn't happen. I, I am hearing that is interested in maybe joining this, uh, the cross crosstown rivals, the Clippers. So um, and you know another interesting development in the NBA, and I see where the Warriors are heavy favorites. Uh, to to win again uh, in the NBA Finals, which will start next week, but uh, you know, is Durant hurt? I, I don't know. I mean, it came out this week that he's not hurt as bad as he said. If, if he just packed it in and said, "Hey, look," he's clearly agitated that people want to say that the uh, Warriors are better without him. So I'm not sure. We haven't seen the end, the last of Durant at Golden State, and you got to really wonder if he just hadn't packed it in and is looking for free agency, but I, I think he's clearly gone. It is remarkable what the Warriors have done without Durant there. Uh, and I think the guy that deserves a lot of credit that gets very little is Clay Thompson. Uh, Clay Thompson is just does nothing, but hits big shots. He's got great size for a two guard. And, uh, you know, he's the unsung hero on all these teams. I know, uh, uh, green has stepped up well. And, uh, um, or not green, the guy from Michigan state. Yeah. Jack, um, Draymond
0: green.
2: Draymond green. Yeah. But, uh, Clay's the guy that I, I and I know that, uh, you know, uh, Curry and, and, you know, but he certainly gets his, um, uh, you know, his, his credit, but, uh, Clay Thompson lost out on like, I think it was like 30 million. He wasn't named to any of the NBA first, second or third team, which is part of his contract that on his max deal cost him about 30 million. But that guy, uh, all he does is put up big numbers, and uh, I think he's the key to it. So, actually, I kind of like watching the Warriors without Durant better because you get some players mixed in there that, you you know, some guys that I hadn't even heard of. Uh, you know, I think Portland was pretty well banged up and not playing their best basketball, and that's why they got swept. But uh, um, be interesting to see the finals. Uh, I hope – the Raptors. I'll tell you one thing. How impressive are the Toronto fans? I, I played golf with a guy from Toronto yesterday, and he was telling me that he went, you know, that Jurassic Park, the, the out, outdoor deal that they go to watch the games. You, you cannot get in. I remember a couple of years ago I went to the Pacers playoff game and they were playing Toronto, and there were a ton of Toronto fans there, and they, they were telling me it's cheaper to come down and try to get into the uh, banker's life for the Pacers' playoff game because they have no way of getting in the Toronto games. But this guy told me, you've got to get to Jurassic Park four hours before the game to stand out in the cold and watch the game on a big TV. I mean, those, those fans are crazy. One crazy fan that I've seen enough of is Drake. I've had enough of his antics. I, I think the league should have stepped in and fined him and thrown his ass off the front for his ta- taunting of uh, the Greek freak so, uh, you know, I've seen enough of Drake, uh, and, and, and I guess now he's, you know, a huge Toronto fan. I, I guess he, he's kind of like some of the kids I remember when I was a kid. Whoever won last, that's a fan he is. So uh, I've seen all Drake, but, man, I am very impressed with the Toronto fan base. Uh, I think uh, Reggie Miller said last night that the atmosphere was really more like a college game, and I haven't heard that for an NBA playoff game, but very loud. Very good crowd there, and uh, I sure hope that they can uh, make a playoff run here for the, uh, for the Raptors when they face the Warriors next week.
0: Basketball in Canada, Brian, seems to be steadily growing. We're here in Louisville in southern Indiana, and you know we love basketball. Chris, you love basketball. I love basketball. Brian, we know you love basketball. I, I know this is a random direction, but what are some examples – of Canadian basketball players from over the years. I can think of Jamal McGlure, Steve Nash. Who am I leaving off? Andrew Wiggins? Murray.
2: How about the Kentucky's one-and-done Murray that plays for Denver? What a – well, I watched all the NBA. I'm almost sure he's from Canada. Chris, is that accurate? That's correct. Man, oh, man, that guy, uh, you know, I know he had a good one year with Kentucky, but – He's he's a top-tier top, top tier guard in the NBA, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, quite a few other guys have come out of I'm, – I'm forgetting some of the names, but they produced quite a few top-level. Chris, you got any other names for us? Andrew Wiggins. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy. He uh,
0: didn't really pan out in the NBA like we thought he would, did he?
1: No. No, that guy was overhyped. But uh, there are a lot more of these guys coming out of Canada and uh, – R.J. Barrett. Pretty tight. There you go. R.J. Barrett. I mean, he's going to probably go the second uh, pick in the draft.
0: Tyler Innes.
1: Yeah. There's there's quite a bit.
0: I'm looking at a list here. There's some good ones. I I love it. Anthony Bennett, who was a huge bust.
1: One of the biggest busts Out of
0: UNLV. Oh,
2: had to be the biggest bust. Did he go first?
0: Yeah. Do you think he's the biggest bust in the history of the NBA draft?
2: Oh, I can't imagine anybody bigger. I mean, the guy went number one out of UNLV, had no, no, oh, yeah, I, I mean, and, and made, I mean, uh, as a number one, I mean, you know, they want to point to some of these other guys that got, you know, buoy and some of these guys that went ahead of other people, but that guy, it was a head-scratcher when he did it. He was not projected, if I'm memory serves me correct, he was not projected to go in the first or the second round, and he went number one by the mistake on the lake, Cleveland, one of the most uh, raunchy programs. I, I saw where the. I told my wife the other day. I saw where the NFL draft is going to be uh, in Cleveland, uh, and the, I think it was the All Star game just announced uh, that they're going to go. How would you like to hit the the pinnacle of your profession and and, and get rewarded with a, mis- a trip to the mistake on the lake? I mean, come on, man. I mean, that's a slap in the face.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now the the cool thing or the. Interesting thing about Anthony Bennett is I don't think he really had any injuries. You named Greg Oden. Brian, you mentioned uh, Bowie out of Kentucky. Those are big guys who had injuries. I don't remember Bennett <laughs> really having any injury. He just went number one overall, and then within a few months, he was basically out of the league.
2: That's right. He had no shot. I mean, he. I believe he was a southpaw. He had no perimeter game. Uh, you know, Bowie, Bowie, and and, and uh, Odin. You know, and when they they played, they played good. They just had the injuries. You're right, uh, but this guy had nothing. But you know, I mean, yeah, you know, he, he was he was overweight. I mean, that, no, that was clearly. I can't think of another bust in any in any sport to go number one. And and and, and you know, look how good the recruiting services are have been over the years in basketball. You know, to to pick players, the the one and duns and all that, and by far most of them are pretty accurate. But man, they the, the Cleveland and and they got their man. They could have got their man in the second or third round, which is the most amazing thing. I'm not sure the GM. I don't know if that was Ferry or who at the, uh for the GM of the Cavs, but uh, uh, that was that that one really. You know, so hey, speaking of the draft, guys, when I think it's Wednesday that these college players, m- namely Wara from Louisville, that I, the only one I think is really on the fence. And, and Jody Demling, Swamp Master Jody, uh, he's probably uh, – but anyhow, Jody's predicting he comes back. That must mean that's what Chris Mack told him at dinner, that he's afraid to tell us. But uh, uh, no one else is saying that. Wara, you know, is, is – uh, that's the biggest one. Annex coming back. He, I don't think he has any other options. I don't think any of the cats – are coming back? Are they, Chris?
1: Uh, I've heard some. Uh, ins- uh, well, I've heard some things about um, EJ Montgomery. Uh, Tony Delk uh, put something out uh, on one of the social media networks about um, EJ Montgomery. He would predict he does not come back, and if that guy doesn't come back, he may be viewed in the same boat with, say, Jared Vanderbilt, where he's going to be one of the guys nobody ever remembers because I, I can't remember one standout play that E.J. Montgomery made for Kentucky last year. So if, if he can make it and make some money, that'll be great for him. But I really don't remember the guy even on the team, to be honest with you.
2: I mean, he- yeah, isn't that amazing? I mean, you can go back to the, the one guy that, that left early that really, that really shocked me that did nothing was Marcus Teague. You know, he looked exactly like his brother Jeff, who has had a great career in the NBA. I won't say great, but pretty darn good. And he's in the league. He's going to get a huge pension. But Marcus Teague, uh, he didn't. He didn't get anywhere. There's been a couple other big guys from Kentucky. Dakari, I don't think he ever did much. And I think he was a two year player though, wasn't he? That's DiCari. right.
1: Yeah, he was there two years, and you're right. Uh, he's bounced between the G League uh, and a 10-day contract. Not very much stability for Dakari. He did have, uh, I I believe, Defensive Player of the Year or something like that in the G League. But, I mean, what does that amount to uh, in the NBA? I'm not sure. Uh, Obviously, it didn't do much for him to make him uh, a big contract. So, uh, yeah, a lot of these guys, I don't think they realize Uh, they see the dollar signs up front, but they don't realize the longevity of their career is really what they need to be looking at and not just that quick first check.
2: I agree 100%. Orton was another guy for Kentucky that kind of went. I think he was just a one-and-done years ago, and I never heard anything back from him. But Enick Enick has no shot at going anywhere except, I guess, maybe overseas. Now, if he came back and played – Louisville, I saw where uh, Jody reported three or four of their guys uh, from this recruiting class showed up on campus. Uh, they're due, due there today. Uh, and then they've got this Scruggs, Scrubs, Scrubs guy coming in, the Trinity uh, player. Uh, he's going to be on campus, I think, today or tomorrow. And they're expecting him to sign is what I'm reading. And, uh, you know, he was, the, I believe, was the Division Eight player of the year when he was at Trinity – and clearly better. Now, David Johnson was a younger player, so it was unfair to David Johnson because, you know, I, I would hate for somebody to evaluate someone. I think he was a freshman or sophomore. But uh, kind of amazing that the guy went under the radar. I see where he's been invited to the uh, under-19 USA team. Kind of amazing somebody goes under the radar after being the player of the year in the best region in the state uh, and had a great year at Trinity and has to go the JUCO route. Uh, but he is now a hot commodity, and I, I look for Louisville to try to land him this week. Chris, what are you hearing on that? Uh,
1: actually, that's the first I've heard uh, about this player. But uh, if they're still looking at another player this deep into uh, the off season, no, he's a
2: twenty, he's a twenty twenty guy. Okay, yeah, that that's
1: a new player that I've uh, I'm not really familiar with. But uh,
2: hometown guy from Louisville, played at Trinity. Uh, I think he averaged about 18 a game at Trinity, was, like I said, the Division uh, 8 player of the year, and uh, and then slipped out of town, but 6'5", uh, two-guard, very athletic. I've seen some tape on him, and uh, and now he's a hot commodity. I think he's got about 20 offers, and uh, uh, he's coming uh, he's coming to visit Louisville this week, Louisville native, and uh, that'd be the first 2020 signee for Chris Mack if he can land him, and uh, I'm being told that uh, they're really actively want a commitment from him this week.
1: Yeah. I think Chris Mack's going to do a good job of keeping these local kids, uh, in, in, uh, you know, for UofL, um, uh, he's doing such a great job early on with recruiting. Uh, I, I don't see that stopping into the 2020 year. Um, he's definitely got one of the best recruiting classes for this upcoming cl- uh, season. And, uh, a lot of these uh, uh, preseason uh, top 25s have Louisville actually in the top 10, and I think that's fairly accurate if you look at uh, the other teams that are in these top 10s, uh, top 25s. Uh, I think Louisville's going to be very good this year, and if they get Neuorah back, I could definitely see them making uh, some noise and possibly going to a Final Four this upcoming year.
3: Yeah,
2: it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, I've got mixed emotions about War coming back. To be honest with you, if there were two balls uh, allowed on the court, I'd be all for it. But since there's only one, and when he grabs it, he certainly seems anxious to jack up a shot. Uh, that uh, that gives me a little caution. Hey guys, I want to I want to uh, throw out a get well wishes to Cool Hand Luke, uh, Mister Basketball in Louisville, Denny Crum. Had his second stroke. He's reportedly doing well. Uh, but, uh, Denny, we love you, and you're a class act, and uh, we'd love to hear you back on the radio with Joe B. Hall. That was fun when that lasted, and uh, uh, get well soon, Denny. Guys, that's all I got for you. Thanks so much, and happy Memorial Day weekend to you guys. I'll hang up and listen. Thank you.
0: Great stuff, as always, from our man, Brian the Insider. You can check him out at, at Brian the Insider on Twitter. I was checking, doing a little fact-checking while Brian was talking. Talk about right on, spot on. He said Jeff Teague will enjoy a pension. We've had Derek Anderson here in studio. One of the neat details he shared with me here on the weekend Sports Buzz, that is Derek Anderson, was if you make it to 11 years in the NBA, like Derek Anderson did, like countless other players, including Steve Blake, and now... Right to the point of what Brian said, couldn't have been more on the ball. Jeff Teague, effective at the end of the season, finished his 11th year in the NBA. Wow. So, Brian, you are right on. Jeff Teague will enjoy an NBA pension. How valuable is that? The longevity conversation, a day of the sports year, like today, Chris, that is relatively bare of topics for us to get into. Right. You can hang some low-hanging fruit in front of me. One of them being the conversation of Canadian basketball players as the Raptors are set to go to the NBA Finals for the first time. Starting on Thursday against the Warriors. And that also opens up the can of worms. The conversation of Canadian basketball players. But also the longevity conversation that Brian mentioned. Jeff Teague made it to the pension state of the NBA. Whereas guys like, of course, course Anthony Bennett or Jeff Teague's little brother, Marcus Teague, certainly did not.
1: That's right. Uh, Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. Uh, I couldn't have predicted some of these players that have lasted so long. Um, Apparently, they have greater value beyond just what they do on the court. Uh, Some names I can throw out there, uh, like Chuck Hayes stayed in the league for over 10 years which is amazing for a guy that's supposedly a big man playing at six five, uh, but yeah, the uh, longevity of these players—it's really, um, I, it's amazing how a lot of these guys just do not stick around more than you know their rookie contract, and um, you know the way these young kids are spending that money when they get that check, uh, I would. You know, venture to guess that uh, a lot of these guys are broke within the first year they're out of the league, and uh, it's pretty sad because us people in the real world that work a nine to five know how hard it is to come. You know, to to uh, get that much money in a short amount of time. These guys, I don't think they're aware. They feel like they're going to always have that ability to make that money, and it's a very small window. Uh, For a lot of these players.
0: I want to remind our listeners. We are the Weekend Sports Buzz. Brought to you by Louisville Combat Academy. Located at 10105 Dixie Highway. Louisville, Kentucky 40272. AJ Jenkins and the fine folks at Louisville Combat Academy. They offer adult Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu classes. Four days a week at 6 a.m. Monday through Thursday. You can make it out there for a 6 a.m. Nogi, of course, t- of course, Tenth Planet style Brazilian Jiu Jitsu class. I made it to one. They're absolutely amazing. I got to see B.J. Ferguson and Brandon Bishop, and of course A.J. Jenkins at the card last night. A.J. was, despite being forty six years old, he was supposed to fight on the card against Jimmy Sandlin last night.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty rare uh, to see somebody that age get in the ring. Uh, in the octagon like that. Uh, you know, It's I, I was looking forward to seeing him, but, uh, you know, things happen. You know, b- before we move on to that, I wanted to say something. Uh, Brian the Insider brought up something about Drake.
0: Oh, my goodness. Now – What are your thoughts on Drake?
1: He's 100% correct. This guy is a – well, I need to watch how I say this, but he's he's an attention freak. And uh, he uh, switches his favorite team uh, with the change of the wind. I mean, he's been front and center at U.K. games. Then he's caught wearing a Duke jersey. Then he's, you know. He should
0: have just stuck with the Raptors from square one. Yes. And imagine how authentic it would be coming across right now had he just been a Raptors fan all the while.
1: Yeah. um, Because he's from Toronto. Right. Of course. And did you hear about this jacket that the Raptors gave Drake?
0: No, I did not.
1: Uh, Hopefully, uh, Brian will look into this. Brian, the insider, will look into this after uh, we talk about it. But uh, so apparently, the Raptors owners, I could be wrong about that. Someone with the Raptors organization, the way I understand this, gave Drake a jacket. Ready uh, worth seven hundred and sixty nine thousand dollars. A jacket worth seven hundred and sixty nine thousand. Um, it, it's the stupidest story I think I've heard in sports in a long time. I don't know what. How can you make a jacket that expensive? And who is crazy enough? I don't know. Uh, what the, it, the, him being a
0: fan must be worth that much to them?
1: Yeah, I mean apparently, he, but. You know that it, it, it just—it's so cheap. It's so ridiculous. Cheapens—I don't know. How it, many times is he going to wear that? Exactly. It—it's a guy who already has enough money for a hundred lifetimes needs a jacket like that, right? Every
0: I mean, winter, I have one, maybe two, depend, maybe two jackets, and that, those last me for many years.
1: I'm pretty sure you probably didn't spend more than a hundred. 200 bucks. No, for, no, right, no. Not DJ 700 Max, and something. Bucks. I mean, you know, the hypocrisy with stuff like this. Uh the uh it, it's just so bizarre that regular people can't wrap their mind around it and uh you know, it, it makes me like him even less every time I hear stories like this. Yeah. It's uh he's really he comes off like one of those clinger ones. He just wants to be a, around the players. You know, he, he wants to feel relevant. I, I don't know. It's just, I'm sure he adds some value to the Raptors somehow, but it, it, it's a ridiculous story.
0: <laughs> it really is. We appreciate everyone tuning in to the weekend sports buzz this morning. I'm Kelly Patrick. Alongside my man, Chris Embry, we both made the track or the trek. Back from Lexington last night. It was a late night. 16 matches uh, in entirety for HR MMA at HR MMA 108. We then made it back. I don't know what time we get back. One o'clock. I was fortunate to do commentary last night with UFC legend, Chris Lights Out Lytle. Yes. Who, if you're not familiar with who he is, that's okay. That means you're not a fan of MMA. That's all right. But Chris Lights Out Lytle is a UFC legend. And a fire, current firefighter in Indianapolis, uh, just an absolutely great guy. But I, I talked to him a little bit after the event, and he, you know, came in from Indianapolis. He was staying in Lexington last night, and I could have stayed around and tried to chat a little bit, but I'm like, man, I got to get out of here, you know. I, I got to be up for the weekend sports buzz tomorrow morning. I know it's just Chris and I. So, Chris, I appreciate your dedication to the cause. And, and you are an interesting case study, as really I am too. Because in 2013, I was exposed to the sport of mixed martial arts in Kentucky. And I slowly got more and more involved with it. Here I am six years later, whatever it is, completely uh, in you know engulfed in mma within the state but chris you were introduced to a mma show was it a year ago or more than that how long ago was it you went to your first mma show in kentucky uh, first mma show i'm sure of your life
1: right i think it's been about a year ago okay um and ever since the first event uh i think i've only missed maybe one or two yep. of the hard rock uh shows uh due to scheduling conflicts but um uh, I try to make every one because every uh, one I've been to offers so much entertainment that um, it, it, it's unlike any other entertainment that I've been uh, been able to be a part of or to to view, and uh, it, it's been pretty amazing. Uh, and, and to watch Hard Rock MMA actually step up their um, production and everything, they've actually uh advanced it you know in the short amount of time that i've watched uh the hard rock shows so uh but it's uh very entertaining if if you've never been before uh you might want to check that out because it's um you're not going to get that going to a movie or anything like that i mean it's it's pretty obviously it's not for everybody but um i love it and uh I'm looking forward to the next one that we're going to have in uh, Bowling Green, I believe it is.
0: Hard Rock MMA is owned. I should say HR MMA is owned now, not by Vanessa and Brandon Hard Rock Higdon, owned by B2 Digital, okay? Greg Bell is with B2 Digital, and talking to him last night, he wasn't at the event, he was in Chicago, but now B2 Digital owns, all right, follow me here, Coliseum Combat, which is in Kokomo, Indiana. HRMMA, which is all over the state of Kentucky and has ventured even into Dayton over the past year. But effective yesterday, they bought United Combat League in Chicago. Okay. Now, Chris Lytle, very articulate guy, UFC legend, he articulated so well during commentary last night. He said, the mission statement for B2 Digital is allowing fighters to take their first amateur fight for these promotions, okay? Take their second amateur fight, work their way up, a la Lance Lawrence, okay? All-time leader in wins for HR MMAs, Lance Lawrence. And then go pro, okay? Then have a few fights as a pro. Then take the step, skip any other organization and go straight to the UFC. Lance Lawrence, also Dontel Mays who was there, big African-American guy. I've had him in the show. Did you see Dantel? He cornered a few fighters last night. Yes. Okay. He's fought on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series a few times, and he'll be on the same card Tuesday, July 16th in Vegas that Lance Lawrence will be on. So for those of you who care about mixed martial arts within the state of Kentucky, not only do you need to support these HR MMA shows, but beyond that, all the collective eyes for our state and our city should be on Tuesday, July 16th on ESPN+. As Lance Lawrence and Dantel Mays, I've had them sit right here with me on the weekend sports bus, both of them, will be fighting in Vegas in front of Dana White. If they win, not guaranteed, they'll get an actual UFC contract. But a lot of the guys who win on that show get a UFC contract I mean it's a direct step into the UFC so a lot of eyeballs on that we want to thank Louisville Combat Academy for their sponsorship located at 10105 Dixie Highway Louisville Kentucky 40272 we're gonna to head to a break we appreciate everyone tuning in to the weekend sports buzz this morning we got plenty to talk about we appreciate you tuning in stay tuned. Chris and I will be back with more of the weekend sports buzz. Baby. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz, live here on 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, WXVW, the Big X. We were talking during the break, Chris, about some of the matches from last night. Doing the commentary gives me a unique perspective. I get to interview some of these guys, talk to them. Uh, In the main event, Jamel Muhammad, okay, Interesting story. He went 8-0 and as an amateur, all right? Very yep. promising, all-state or state qualifier, wrestler who's done taekwondo since, since he was five years old, also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, owns his own school there in Lexington called Lexington Taekwondo and, and Jiu-Jitsu, the name of his school. 8-0 is an amateur, wins his first two fights as a pro. Then I was commentating for his second, third, fourth, and now fifth pro fight. But in his second fight, he fought a buzzsaw, Ken Beverly. Beverly beat him. And then in his fourth fight, he fought Michael Shields. Michael Shields beat him. Jamel was the headliner for last night's card. He was supposed to face Michael Shields in a rematch. If you think being an MMA fighter is glamorous at all, even on the pro level, you are sadly mistaken, okay? Almost a Shakespearean feel to it, almost a a tragedy, almost a, a glamour, slight little, small little piece of glamour. But tragedy involved in every little part of the step for an MMA fighter, even the ones who win all the time. Yes. That's a whole different conversation.
1: You're not in it for the money.
0: You're not in it for the money, okay? I've been privy to learn about some of these persons. But back to Joe, Jamel Muhammad. He was supposed to rematch against Michael Shields. hat goes off to Michael Shields for accepting the fight for a rematch, all right? The day before the fight, Friday night, Michael Shields was going through a weight-cutting process and something went wrong and he had to be hospitalized. Okay? So we had this fight scheduled for Saturday night. But one of the fighters couldn't make it. He had a weight-cutting issue. He was in the emergency room. Ryan McIntosh is a pro fighter. I believe he's 14 and 31, something wild like that. Wow. Okay, out of Cincinnati, but everybody knows he accepts fights at the drop of a hat. Brandon Hardrock Higdon called him up, said, hey, we got a fight for you. Can you drive from Cincinnati to Lexington? We want you to be in the main event and fight Jamel Muhammad. I believe Ryan McIntosh weighed in at 159, all right? Jamel Muhammad was ready to make 145, and Jamel was faced with the difficult situation. He had sold all these tickets. He had all these fans coming. Everybody from his Lexington Taekwondo and Jiu-Jitsu Academy that he owns now was going to be there in his hometown of Lexington. And he's faced with the decision now, Chris. I wanted the rematch. I was hell-bent on this redemption story. But now, I if I want to even fight at all, i got to fight a guy who's a Substantially larger than me. Jamel accepted the fight, as did the hat goes off to Ryan McIntosh, too, for such a short notice fight. Jamel Muhammad got in there and he won via first round stoppage. Technical knockout. Win for Jamel Muhammad.
1: Was- yeah. Ryan uh, McIntosh. Didn't look happy at all. He thought it was a quick call, but yeah. I, I mean, we see that a lot, where they think, "Oh, come on, you shouldn't have called that." But
0: no, everybody who gets in there so competitive. I have talked to people now, including Jamel Muhammad, when he lost to Michael Shields, his first, his last fight prior to yesterday, to last night. At the time, Jamel Muhammad thought it was a, sh- a quick stoppage. He thought Rob Mooney called it too quick. Right. Okay. But then when he got home, got a chance to watch it over time, he said that was a good stoppage. So these guys are so damn competitive.
1: Yeah. And I think time goes at a different speed for some of these guys when you're in the heat of a battle. Right? I can't imagine. Right. Uh, now, we had the opposite of a quick stoppage. We had a, it seemed like there was a, um, they let it go a little too long on one last night. And I don't think the ref seen the guy tapping, but he tapped a good three seconds before the stoppage.
0: If I remember correctly, you are talking about Lloyd Thornton, a pro fight, the first pro fight of the night. Lloyd Thornton, who had some damage done to his eye. Yes. Okay. It was difficult to see. In the ref's defense, I was sitting... Even closer to the fighters. I was probably two or three feet from the fighters in that instance. And I couldn't tell what the hell happened, but possibly had some damage to his eye. And he was tapping. Yes. Um, Difficult position to be in as a referee. A lot easier said than done, because on one hand, you don't want to stop it prematurely, right? Right. You don't want to rip these pro fighters off or even these amateur fighters. But at the same time, you you want them to not be hurt. You want to protect them because they're so competitive. We appreciate everyone tuning in to the weekend sports buzz this morning, brought to you by Louisville Combat Academy. We're going to head to a break. Be sure to stay tuned. Chris and I will be back with more of the weekend sports buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz live here on 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, WXVW. We are brought to you by Louisville Combat Academy, located at 10105 Dixie Highway, Louisville, Kentucky, 40272. We're coming off a big night of fights in Lexington at Heritage Hall. Got plenty to discuss Regarding that, Chris, I do the Kelly Patrick show with Doc on Sunday nights, and I think this week we'll actually record tomorrow night, so on Monday nights. So we've been doing for about the past two months, once a week, a weekly show, not the weekend sports buzz, but the Kelly Patrick show available on Google Play, iTunes, and Spotify. We have to have you in one of these days to talk specifically, to go on and on, about the MMA scene because in my opinion, everyone's experience with the sport is very different and unique. Mine is, right? I I didn't get started till age thirty two and now I've slowly gotten myself where I'm completely submerged in it. Yours is you didn't go to your first show till about a year ago. That's right. You've gotten a unique very unique behind the scenes inside look at the organic nature of local MMA. So I'd love to have you on one of these days. Anyone listening who's interested, or any of our listeners who's who's interested in contributing to the weekend sports buzz regarding HR MMA, I would love to hear from you. Give us a call, 502-384-1450 on the Louisville Combat Academy buzz line, okay? Because I could go on and on and on about that. It, it, I've always been a boxing fan, Chris. Yeah. I've always admired boxing writers for some reason. I've always in the back of my mind this is all kind of coming to fruition in a way for me because the people who covered Muhammad Ali, I'm pointing at Muhammad Ali up on the wall right now. The people who've covered boxing even prior to Muhammad Ali, it's always intrigued me. I've read uh, quite a few books about old school boxers, John L Sullivan and, you know, even the the tragic Element to Floyd Patterson. Uh, Sonny Liston. Guys who fought Ali but lost. Okay. Ali won the heavyweight title three times. But that means he lost a lot too. Absolutely. Okay. So he had... He he, he reached the pinnacle of the sport. And then he lost. He had to come back. He had to reinvent himself. Something about getting into a ring or a cage... Is really unique to me and embodies not only the sporting experience, but the human experience in a lot of ways. In my opinion, that may be over, overly dramatic to some. Maybe some people are listening, shaking their heads. But I don't think there's anything more primal than getting into a ring and boxing, putting it all on the line. Knowing that people have died doing that. That's right. Or into a cage. I've been a boxing fan my entire life, and what that means is when I was little in the 80s, with my father, I watched a lot of Mike Tyson fights. Those Mike Tyson fights on HBO contributed to the birth of many boxing fans. After that, my friend Steve, Steve Driver, and myself watched a lot of Floyd Mayweather fights. Everybody's always hated Floyd Mayweather. I've always had a great deal of respect for him inside the cage. The art of the sweet science Floyd Mayweather is so great. Other fighters like Miguel Cotto, more recently Saul Canelo Alvarez have had me intrigued. This upcoming weekend is a big weekend for me. I will not be on the air next Sunday. My father is going to take me to New York. Okay? And I'm going to I'm going to see Arguably the best heavyweight boxer in the world, Anthony Joshua against Andy Ruiz at Madison Square Garden. It is significant. Anthony Joshua, as I said, he's not Tyson Fury. He's not Deontay Wilder. Okay. But some rate him as the best heavyweight in the world. This is his first trip into the United States. This is my first time going to Madison Square Garden. It's my ti- first time seeing a big boxing event, okay? This is huge. I am very excited about this upcoming Saturday.
1: Have you ever been to New York?
0: I've been to New York, yeah. A lot of my uh, family from my father's side is, is through Yonkers, New York. So I've actually been to New York, you know, quite a few times. Not like this, though. Yeah. Not to Madison Square Garden. Not to the Big Apple like this. I've been to Yonkers, which is cool, and I've got great family up there. The Dugan side up there, it, it, it's a a, a a lot of great people. I identify, I always liked Rick Patino. in large part because on my father's side of the family, a lot of my uncles really, <laughs> and this may not sound good, but a degree of a New Yorker, Trump has it too. Not to get political, but a degree of the New Yorker vibe I identify with. Yep. Those are my uncles. Those are my not my direct uncles, but my great uncles. Okay. Cousins. I have a a lot of my, my family are firefighters in New York and, and were over the years. But this upcoming Saturday, Chris, at Madison Square Garden.
1: The greatest sports venue in the United States, perhaps?
0: Sure. Arguably one, maybe the greatest sports venue in the world. I don't know. Yep. Outside of Rupp Arena, of course. Ah, uh, You're the Kentucky fan. You tell me.
1: No, Rupp Arena is not even, not even in the same realm.
0: So for those of our listeners who are not into it's funny, Chris, because so many people like boxing. They've always liked boxing. Maybe they are disappointed with the current state of boxing. But in the back of their mind, they're like, hey, my grandfather liked boxing. My dad liked boxing. I like boxing. Okay? Yeah. A lot of people like boxing that do not like MMA, and that's okay. I understand MMA is more polarizing. That's right. I get it. Okay? But for those of our listeners who are not familiar with the current landscape in the timeline of the heavyweight division, it goes a little something like this. All right? My simplified version would be Vladimir and Vitaly Klitschko, Ukrainian boxers who fought the majority of their career out of Germany. They controlled the heavyweight division for, I believe, 16 years total between the two of them. Not the most aesthetically pleasing fighters to watch. Vitaly's the older one. Vladimir's the younger. Vladimir most recently was the unified champ. Until he lost three or four years ago. And I need to check my timeline, but this is my summary. Three or four years ago, he lost a decision to Tyson Fury. Let's not lose sight of the fact Tyson Fury is who ended the Klitschko reign over the heavyweight division. It was a decision. It was sloppy. If you try to sit through that and watch it, it is not exciting. But Tyson Fury deserved the decision win. Vladimir Klitschko then got back into the ring, not to rematch Tyson Fury. He wanted a rematch with Tyson Fury, but <laughs> infamously Tyson Fury hit the bottle and started eating too much and ballooned up. Have you have you heard this? Yes, ballooned up to over four hundred pounds after he beat Klitschko.
1: That's crazy.
0: Doing a lot of cocaine and, and drinking and fast food and just he's six foot eleven or so, or six foot nine. So I mean, he can eat and drink a lot. But back to my story. He, Vladimir Klitschko wanted a rematch with Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury got real fat and couldn't do it. Okay? Yep. Vladimir Klitschko did not want to hang it up. He took a fight against the next best thing at the time, not the Irishman Tyson Fury, but the Englishman Anthony Joshua. What happened? Vladimir Klitschko got knocked out by Anthony Joshua. Okay. Anthony Joshua knocked Vladimir Klitschko out. If you do want an aesthetically pleasing fight to watch, go search for that on YouTube. It was a significant knockout for Anthony Joshua. After that, there's a lot of variables that go in between here that I'm skipping over. But the next big matchup, really, was Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder in one of the greatest heavyweight fights I've ever seen in my life. Have you sat and watched that entire fight? No. I appreciate your honesty because you are, like I said earlier, representing a uh, a large portion of our, our listener audience. All right? Under the Marcus of Queensberry rules, the rules of boxing, I think Tyson Fury probably won that fight. However, Deontay Wilder knocked him down twice. Once, once, right at the very end of the fight, knocked him down, and there was a controversial, controversially maybe slow count from the referee to give him ten seconds to get back up. Long story short, extremely exciting fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Ruled a draw by the judges, so neither fighter won, neither fighter lost, which is good, I think. Okay. Anthony Joshua wants to make money. Eddie Hearn is his manager, very famous within the boxing world, Englishman. Anthony Joshua is venturing outside of England now, outside of Europe, to the United States. Anthony Joshua, well, Deontay Wilder last week had a big knockout against a guy named Brazil, Brazil, okay? You saw that. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now, Anthony Joshua was supposed to fight one guy that fell through due to performance enhancing drugs, testing positive. Now he's fighting still a very legitimate opponent, not a sexy name, but Andy Ruiz this Saturday in New York. Okay, what we want to end up seeing, I want to see Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder part two. Yes. But you also want to see how Anthony Joshua will stack up against either of these guys. At some point, we want to see that. So, in my opinion, very exciting time for the heavyweight division.
1: Yeah, what do you think uh, about the advertising for boxing right now? I, I know there's a big—a uh, lot of the fans are upset at a—how uh, you have to go about getting these fights now. You have to go through two paywalls, I believe, now to get That's a- for. Th- yeah.
0: that Well, both boxing and MMA are headed in that direction.
1: Right. They've basically um, cut out the—well, mid- they've made sure they're getting a bigger piece of the pie. I love
0: it. And what I mean by that is this. Okay, there's always going to be haters. Right. There's haters for Hard Rock MMA. Did you know that? There's people who say, I don't like how— HRMMA does business. I don't like how they, they pit fighters against each other. They don't pay very well, okay? That's on a local level here in Kentucky. It goes all the way up. So there's always haters. It's always controversial. In the 80s, we saw the advent of pay-per-view. HBO, right. Mike Tyson, just a magical formula. It blew up, okay? That was one way that people watched fights. When boxing got big, what, 150 years ago, there was, you know, people would hear it, the newspaper. Eventually, right. we got to the radio was big, and, and people listened to a lot of fights on the radio, then pay-per-view. It's going through different phases, right. all right? Do it we is. Need it's to... inevitable. With the advent of new things, such as is uh, the internet, when we get fiber optics, when fiber is more accessible, please, Bevan, make that happen. I think he's working on it.
1: I, I don't know what that guy's working on.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I don't either. But I do think there's some efforts right now into getting. So the more that the internet is accessible, very high-speed internet is accessible to everyone, the nature of viewing boxing and MMA will be different. Five years from now, it'll be different. So they are adjusting. It's more difficult right now to watch some of these fights. Canelo Alvarez is with Dazen, an organization. Um, the UFC, you have to have Google plus, I'm sorry, ESPN plus. Right. So there's two, two paywalls. As you mentioned, boxing's doing the same thing just last week. Me personally, I was late to the party, but I had my cable cut off at my house. Do you have cable at your house?
1: Yes. Okay. How long are you going to have cable at your house? Chris? It's not going to be much longer. I mean, it's, it's another dying industry. I know that sounds crazy. But we are transitioning into the a la carte TV. Uh, You've got all these – I think the streaming is exactly where it's going to go. Now, you always have the old school, hardcore, you know, people that uh, get the local, just the antenna, local channels, stuff like that. But I think cable has – really done a disservice to itself uh how it it makes you buy everything all this stuff you don't even watch and you're paying very high prices for it uh they've gotten a little too big uh and it it looks like we're in a transition now but do you think boxing needs a don king type guy or some somebody in there to to bring i don't know the uh, Barnum and Bailey type. Do you do you think that was...
0: Are you suggesting Daryl Ray moves up into the <laughs> promotion of Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, and Tyson Fury? Is that what you're saying?
1: Uh, not quite. Not quite.
0: Because you used Barman, Barnum and Bailey to talk about that, it, but it also is... earlier with Daryl Ray. I'm just trying to right. draw the two together. That's not what you meant, though?
1: No, but, you know, a little extra... <laughs> You sprinkle a little uh, WWE into a couple things, and I don't think it actually hurts. A lot of people don't like that. I I like
0: it to a degree. I don't like when Conor McGregor throws a dolly through an actual bus window and potentially could have killed people. Right. I don't like that.
1: Yeah. um,
0: But I do to a degree. I'm with you. Now, (laughs) don't get me started because this is a topic I'm very fiery on. (laughs) Because if you read books about the history of boxing, okay, people— for the past 150 years, have consistently been saying boxing is dead. Boxing needs to do this. Boxing needs to do that. I'm not exaggerating. last 150 years, okay? Right. (laughs) It's dead. Oh, here's Ali. Well, Ali's here in the 70s, 60s and 70s. He's here, but boxing's still dead. Outside of him, it's still dead. Okay, so I've read books on it, Chris. Right. There's always, I've seen the newspaper headlines. This always happens, okay? That's right. You talk to some, I don't want to use profanity because I can't on the radio, average sports fan out there, and they all, every one of them, has very strong opinions about, Huh. well, I think, uh, I talked to one of my friends within the past year who said this to me, I think they should do away with weight classes. Wow. Okay, I think they should just have them all box each other, or uh, yeah, I think this, I think that I think I think we should just chill out and enjoy it for what it is, in my opinion, okay, It's cyclical, boxing is cyclical. there will always be poor people, and from the poor, for the most part, is where great boxers are born, from the poverty, okay. I think it just is what it is. The nature of combat sports is changing. In November of 93, we saw the UFC and the sport of mixed martial arts be born. In my opinion, it's an incarnation of boxing. I think it's it's a primal, it's minimal rules, and it's, it's get a couple people in there and have them fight. I love it. In my opinion, now this is bias, this is me. To be a true fan of that primal nature, why not just be a fan of boxing and MMA and enjoy it for what it is? Right. I love it. I'm on board. I can't wait to go Saturday. Is Anthony Joshua going to lose to Andy Ruiz? Probably not. But he certainly could. Andy Ruiz is a legitimate top 15 heavyweight in the world. Okay? Mike Tyson lost at the age of 23 to Buster Douglas. Everybody talks about how untouchable Mike Tyson was and how in his prime no one could get in there with him. When was his prime? Right. He was 23 and he got knocked out. 23? Yeah. So you're saying his prime's 27? No, you're saying his prime was between 19,
1: 21, 22.
0: <laughs> and 23, okay? Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. That's so a good point. I've never thought about it.
0: 23, that. he got knocked out, Chris. When was his prime?
1: When exactly. was his prime?
0: Could Anthony Joshua on Saturday, could I see true history? Not only is Anthony Joshua's first fight in the United States, he could get knocked out easily. Yeah. I love it, man. I know that's a lot of different directions. I want to thank Louisville Combat Academy for sponsoring us. Located at 10105 Dixie Highway, Louisville, Kentucky, 40272. We encourage you to give us a call on the Louisville Combat Academy buzz line, 502-384- 1450. Chris, the bread and butter for our show is and always will be college basketball. What is significant right now in the world of college basketball recruiting for a local fan of college basketball?
1: I think I have to start with uh, the Jaden McDaniels recruiting. Uh, It was down to Kentucky and Washington. Uh, The kid was never very vocal about where he wanted to go. He wasn't into the spotlight, uh, which should have told Kentucky fans that it wasn't a good fit for him at Kentucky. He ends up choosing uh, Washington, uh, where uh, the guard, Quade Green, that played for Kentucky, transferred to. Okay. So, um, Washington's going to have a pretty formidable uh, team. You know, they've got – Isaiah Stewart, one of the best power forwards in the country. Now they've got Quade Green and they've got Jaden McDaniels. Um, nobody's going to see them play on the East Coast, pretty much. Uh, it, it's a team that um, a lot of times ha- ends up with some talent and don't do much with it. But that was one of the key things that happened over the week was the uh, Jaden McDaniel going to Washington, which leaves Kentucky scrambling to feel a spot, especially with um uh EJ Montgomery possibly not returning to Kentucky, which would leave Kentucky with uh between the power forward and center position, two players basically. You would have Nick Richards if he returns, and you've got Nate Sustina from Bucknell. Um out of you know, recruiting, uh there's not much more going on you've got a rj hampton a guard that's going to be committing on tuesday somewhere it will not be kentucky uh kentucky has plenty of guards for next year uh but i think that one of the big controversial story well not really controversial but caused a little bit of uproar uh in the college basketball world was uh jawan howard getting hired for uh michigan wolverines replacing john beeline uh, Juwan Howard has assistant coaching, uh, experience in the NBA, but not a head coaching, uh, background at all. I think it's going to be a band-aid until they actually get their next coach. It's, uh, you know, after John Beeline left, a lot of his recruits were talking about jumping ship. So I think they just pulled Juwan Howard in there to hold the Recruiting class together until they hire somebody next year is my opinion because I don't think this guy is the answer at all. Um,
0: Interesting. Yeah, John Howard played up until the year 2013. We talked about long to tie things back together. We talked about longevity in NBA pensions. That's earlier. Right. John Howard played as a player. Get this, from 1994 through 2013.
1: That's amazing.
0: Okay, so that's like what? I think it was 20 seasons.
1: Wow, I did not know that.
0: Yeah, so he you know, easily
1: exceeded the 11-year minimum to get a pension. And you, you know, there's another funny aspect to this hire. I don't think a lot of people are really looking at. You got to think how weird this is. They bring this guy back after they took away all of their record, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a he guy He was a part
0: of the Fab 5.
1: Yes, and they got put on probation. And you're bringing a guy back that you wiped from the record. Yeah. Uh, It's a really odd hire. Um, Now, obviously, uh, the players that were on that Fab Five. uh, Jimmy
0: King, Chris Webber, Jalen
1: Rose. Jalen Rose is loving the hire, obviously.
0: Jalen, man, what a – they called them the, the Fab Five but what great success have Chris Webber, Jalen Rose, and Jawan Howard had made out of that? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, those guys are absolute celebrities. That's right, forever.
1: But it, it makes it look like the school has sold out, or
0: or college basketball as a whole it has said, "Hey, we are shady." There is quote, and I'm using quotes right now. There are, there are quote rules, and. We, quote, follow them, whereas clearly they don't,
1: right? It, it's, right. It, it is such a farce. Um, I don't want to get too far off the track, but college sports is a joke. And I'm just going to throw this out there. The education system itself is a complete freaking joke. I'm it, on board with that it. It is. You. It's.
0: Tax-exempt status for clearly for-profit organizations. It's
1: so corrupt. Um, Just like a lot of things, people don't want to see that dirt because they just want to see the product. right? They want to be entertained.
0: That being said, Penny Hardaway starred in the movie Blue Chips, (laughs) which really looked into the shady side of college basketball, right? That's right. All right. Now Penny Hardaway is killing it, isn't he?
1: He landed the number one recruiting class in the country. Uh, For the last 10 years, it's either been Kentucky or Duke at the number one and number two spot. They've never been anything but number one or number two until this year. uh, Memphis ends up with the number one recruiting class. Kentucky ends up with number two. And Duke's down the line somewhere. But, uh, yeah, it's – it's going to be interesting to watch and see what uh, Memphis has got uh, for this upcoming season.
0: Not only Penny Hardaway is killing it on the recruiting trail, we've also seen a very depleted and struggling Vanderbilt program. Hire Jerry Stackhouse. Now, Chris, as you mentioned, Jawan Howard coming back, trying to recreate the Fab Five for Michigan. Is this the direction that college basketball, and let's say it, that basketball is heading in? I think Derek Fisher was one of the first to be hired, if I remember correctly, as an NBA coach with no actual coaching experience. So you said Juwan Howard being hired at Michigan with no head coaching experience was unique and was disappointing, Right. Right. Remember when Derek Fisher was hired as an NBA coach without even an inkling of assistant coaching experience?
1: Right. What does that say about coaching overall? I mean, it's really a figurehead, right? I mean, especially in the the NBA.
0: NBA. We've known that for years in the NBA. Right. You need a player's coach.
1: I mean, LeBron— Ty Lue,
0: Eric Spolstra, Phil Jackson.
1: That's right. Uh, It's more of a— I, I don't know. Do we really think that LeBron has a coach? No, I don't really think he he is the coach.
0: I can buy <laughs> into it more so in the NBA. Jason Kidd, Derek Fisher, the list right. goes on and on there. It has trickled down to college with Jerry Stackhouse, Penny Hardaway. Right. <laughs> Penny Hardaway had some coaching experience, at least on the AAU circuit.
1: That one makes sense. He had all these players lined up that okay. he brought with him to Memphis. But Juwan everybody Howard. does
0: know who Juwan Howard is. Right. Is he going to bring in a big
1: recruiting class? There's no telling. He might. Yeah. It's such uh, – he came in so late in the recruiting season that I don't think that's why they brought him in. That's why I say that because all the players were already basically taken other than a few here and there, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's – it kind of shows you that – all they really care about, obviously, is money. I mean, that's, that's pretty obvious. They, they want to keep those uh, fans in the seats, and they want to keep that money flowing in.
0: We want to thank Louisville Combat Academy for their sponsorship for not only the weekend sports buzz, but also the Kelly Patrick Show. Louisville Combat Academy is located at 10105 Dixie Highway, Louisville, Kentucky, 40272. They offer kids – Martial arts classes, adults martial arts classes, regardless of whether or not you want to get into the cage and compete or get into a boxing ring and compete. Or if you're just a hobbyist like I am and you want to just stay in shape and learn some martial arts, Louisville Combat Academy is the place to go. Check them out. AJ Jenkins, Holly Jenkins, the Fergusons, Brandon Bishop, they do a great job over there at Louisville Combat Academy. We're going to head to the Louisville Combat Academy buzz line, which is 502-384-1450. We have on the buzz line now, we have Marcus. Marcus, how are you this morning? I'm confused.
3: What are you confused about, Marcus? Well, did I call the Weekend Sports Buzz or did I call the Kelly Patrick Show?
0: You called the Weekend Sports Buzz. The Kelly Patrick Show is a podcast that you can listen to on Spotify, okay? On the Kelly Patrick Show, Marcus, I, I do appreciate you asking. Um, really, all we discuss is martial arts-related topics. MMA, maybe boxing, competitive jiu-jitsu, things like that. So, this is the weekend sports buzz. Did that clear things up for you, Marcus?
3: Yes, it did. I, <clears throat> I actually might check out that podcast. That sounds pretty interesting. So, but just the way you said it when you said, well, I want to thank the Combat Academy for sponsoring the Weekend Sports Bus and the Kelly Patrick Show. I had to stop and think, you know, wait a minute, did something happen I wasn't aware of? Are you on the radio? Are you on TV? So, podcast, that's cool. Yes, sir. I called in to agree with Chris when he said college sports are a joke and the education system is a joke, too.
0: What do you mean by that, Marcus? Why?
3: Well, all of college sports is supposedly based on an amateur model, which flat out doesn't exist. Every day or every week we learn more and more, not just about the fact that Sean Miller paid DeAndre eight and $10,000 a month or week or day or whatever it was, and however much he paid him, it obviously wasn't enough, right, if it didn't motivate him to carry Arizona to the Final Four when he was there. But nevertheless... Then, you know, you look and you say, oh, that's terrible, that's terrible. What have things come to? What have things come to? And then you go back and you look back in the 1960s and, you know, you see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or or Lou Alcindor as he was called then, flying home from Los Angeles to New York every weekend that they don't have a game because he was homesick. And you realize the whole idea of amateurism and – you know, all, all you get a scholarship. That's been bogus nonsense. There's another word I wanted to say that starts with bull, but I didn't. It's been bogus nonsense from the get-go, right? College sports' real model is win at any cost, and then when you get caught breaking the rules, instead of saying, hey, these rules are stupid, and we're just not going to abide by them, uh, act contrite, give a fake apology, Fire people who haven't done anything wrong, Rick Patino you know oh self flagellate, beat yourself up, wailing and gnashing of teeth, and then go right back to the same thing as soon as you can
1: absolutely, I one hundred percent agree it's uh anybody that's really opening their eyes and looking at the whole picture realizes it's a big scam um There's too much money involved, and wherever money goes, it corrupts. And we're talking about one of the most corrupt institutions in the United States, and that is college sports. Uh, It's pretty um, terrible to see, and and especially like in North Carolina when they caught them cheating uh, to get players eligible for decades and nothing happens to them. It tells you there's no integrity, and they do not care. Just give me your
3: money. (laughs) Well, I mean, wouldn't it be better if we just did away with the lies and the nonsense at the top level, disbanded the NCAA, let college sports form their – See, you guys might be too young to remember, but many years ago, back before about 1990, there was an organization called the CFA, the College Football Association. Do you guys remember that?
1: I believe so. I
0: don't remember it, but I have read about it. I wrote a, a report. Uh, or I wrote an article a couple years ago involving that. Tell us about it, Marcus. How
3: legitimate was it? Well, well, I mean, it wasn't legitimate because it was just an organization for Division I schools to join where they could help get money from television contracts, merchandise exposure. They, You know, it helped with scheduling games and things like that. So, But it wasn't a rules-following organization. It was an organization to help the football programs, you know, achieve the best status that they could. That's all I remember about it, right? But the NCAA passed a bunch of regulations, as well as I remember, and sort of broke the CSI's limited power that it did have. But what's wrong with that model, right? What's wrong with what John Calipari has said over the last few years, which is, we don't need the NCAA. Just do away with it. You know, let's Division One schools you know, set up their own uh, regulations for play on the court and then run a tournament at the end of every year. What's wrong with that? If it's going on like crazy, which we know that it is, if you're going to tell me that Nick Saban, there's not some massively shady nonsense going on there, you're a liar or you're an idiot. I don't know which one it is because you cannot achieve that sort of constant recruiting dominance Without violating NCAA rules, therefore, why have the rules?
1: That's right. That's that's my big gripe. It's the, um, uh, it's the sleight of hand. It's it's constantly. Uh, it goes back to how much money they can make, and how can you be a tax exempt or- organization and break in billions of dollars? It don't. It, I just don't understand it. They found a way to uh, skirt a lot of the laws that we already have, and it, it's a big shame.
3: Well, to some degree, the NCAA is like the United States Constitution. It's the, the, the NCAA's charter and rules and regulations, to a large degree, were conceived of, you know, 70, 80 years ago. When maybe things were different, maybe amateurism was a little bit more pure or whatever, I doubt it, but maybe that was an ideal that they were trying to to come up with. Now, the Constitution, you know, when we realize the Constitution was written 200 and something years ago and it's now out of date and can't handle issues, what do we do? We amend it. We add things onto it. We change it. We adjust it, right? The NCAA says that they do that, but they basically continue to operate on the same nonsensical standard Because they haven't changed their basic premise, which is a lie. And the problem is, even the casual sports fan realizes it's hard to believe what you see on the screen is as it is portrayed as, right? That's right. Because it's not.
0: Marcus, the NCAA is a farce of an organization A lot of people still enjoy college athletics, and, you know, that's okay. College basketball, college football, they're doing fine, uh, despite their obvious sweeping under the rugs, the, the enforcement of the rules. I'll ask you this, Marcus. We are the Weekend Sports Buzz. We cover all things in the world of sports. What has you intrigued right now in the world of sports, Marcus?
3: Well, it's Memorial Day weekend, so, you know, this is when I always make sure that I'm up to date on what's going on in baseball because the other has been sports, the other pretenders to the throne have all sort of fallen by the wayside. You can stop wasting your time blathering on about the the NBA and the NFL. And you know, the NFL desperately tries to stick itself into every month of the year. But the truth of the matter is (laughs) absence makes the heart grow fonder. How the hell are we supposed to miss the NFL, when it won't go away. Okay. I just think it's it's baseball season now. I know a lot of people say, well, if my team starts out the season not really doing all that well, I just wait until Memorial Day to see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I concur with that. The only problem is the teams that I like this year, I'm pretty sure where we are in Memorial Day might be where we are at the end of the season. Yeah. Out of the playoffs and mediocre.
0: That's the Red Sox and the Cardinals.
3: Correct. Okay.
0: Any intrigue for the uh, NBA finals? The, the Toronto Raptors against the Golden State Warriors. Are you are you engaged? Are you are you feeling the NBA finals this year, Marcus?
3: No. <laughs> I, I, you know I've got nothing against Golden State. I have no problem with dynasties. I think if you're able to achieve that, good for you. But the truth is, <clears throat> unless there is some sort of Ulterior conspiracy, those games should be 125 to 95, four in a row, and you give Golden State the trophy. Now, if Kevin Durant doesn't play, I might watch some of it. It's not that I dislike Kevin Durant. I think he's the best basketball player in the world. But I'm, I'm more likely to watch part of NBA Finals games when Kevin Durant's not playing because I like the way the Warriors played in 2015 and 16. Okay.
0: Okay. I, I'm there with you. I, lo- I love basketball. I love ball movement. Kevin Durant's great. I'm on board with that, Marcus. As always, we appreciate your call, Marcus. We look forward to hearing from you next Sunday if you're able to call back in. Thank you so much. Go Bruins. Go Bruins. Okay. Marcus spans across the world of sports. He covers, he touches on, Chris, a little bit of everything. We're going to head to a break. We appreciate everyone tuning in to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick. Alongside Chris Embry, we are brought to you by Louisville Combat Academy. Be sure to stay tuned. We will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz, live here on 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, WXVW, the Big X. I want to thank the team here at the Big X Sports Radio in Jeffersonville, Indiana. We got Douglas Wolverton, got Dugan Ryan. The direction of the only locally owned sports radio station in the Louisville Southern Indiana Market is headed in a very good direction right now. What I mean by that is shows such as the weekend sports bus and the, the lineup they have during the week. We get to talk about all things in the world of sports. Admittedly, college basketball is always in season around here. Myself, I do the commentary for HR MMA last night in Lexington. HR MMA 108 took place in really what is the lower level of Rupp Arena called Heritage Hall. Louisville Combat Academy is our sponsor, located at 10105 Dixie Highway, Louisville, Kentucky, 40272. Got just a few minutes left on the weekend sports buzz this morning. We are going to head to the Louisville Combat Academy buzz line, where we have the winner of last night's main event, Jamel Muhammad, is on the line with us. How are you feeling this morning, Jamel? I'm feeling great this morning, Kelly. How about you, man? I'm doing very well. It was a great night of fights last night. I know after two losses in a row, for those of our listeners who don't know, Jamel started out as a pro. First off, as an amateur, 8-0. He won his first two pro fights. Then he dropped two in a row. Jamel, you beat Ryan McIntosh last night in the main event. You're back on the winning side of things. How does that feel?
4: Oh, man. I like it's never felt better, man. That was definitely that was definitely the best feeling win of my career. You know, um, a, w- a win never feels so good. You know, like after some losses. You know, after you go through some adversity and everything. So it was definitely an awesome feeling. And uh, you know, I'm I'm glad to to uh, get back on the winning track and get back on a big streak now.
0: After you won, you went over to the side of the cage where I was, and you did a little raisin of the roof.
4: Oops. Little bit of raising on the roof, yes.
0: <laughs> was that spontaneous? I know we had talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, what, what's the story behind the the raising the roof?
4: Well, you know, um, well, actually, I think I was in a group message with uh, you and, a, and a, another contestant last night, Daryl Ray, and uh, Kelly had told us that you know, if if you know either of us do well at the end of our fights, we need to go over to the side of the cage and raise the roof. So. I pretty much planned that the whole time that after my win, I was going to go over to the side and raise the roof to you, Kelly. So
0: It was a special moment, and I was, hon- it was. I was honored to be a part of it. <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts on the Damian Miller versus Daryl Ray fight from last night? Jamel?
4: You saw it. I saw it. What are your thoughts? Man, what a wild fight. We're, well, the hype behind the fight was crazy. You know, Like we all said, that was, that was the people's main event. And then, uh, when we saw Daryl in his entrance, his entrance was pretty awesome. He came out with, uh, with some nunchucks and he was trolling them around looking good. And, uh, and actually came out in his rash guard, which that was pretty unique and everything. And then, uh, and then Damien came out and Damien looked like that he was all business. And he came out and he starts Daryl in the first round, man, just clipped him right on the button and, uh, I think a lot of people were shocked. A lot of people
0: were shocked. But I'll tell you this, Jamel the fan base there in Lexington, the crowd, they were very engaged in that fight. Okay, there was a lot of booze for Daryl, a lot of people cheering for Damien as he won. But there was not a, 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 a single person there at Heritage Hall that was not emotionally invested somehow in that fight. Now, you're from Lexington. You've lived in Lexington your entire life. You own Lexington Taekwondo and Jiu-Jitsu. The, fa- yes. the fan support you had for the main event last night was deafening. I Tim Bryan on the telecast, you'll have to listen to it, he said to me, my God, this sounds like a Beatles concert. What, <laughs> what's the story behind all that fan support for you there?
4: Uh, man, I, I asked. I asked Muhammad Mady to come out, and they delivered, man. (laughs) Uh, You you know, I've always got an awesome, awesome fan base and everything. Um, I know for the Kim Beverly fight uh, last year, I had an awesome crowd then. And honestly, I was a little bit worried on Memorial Day weekend that, you know, I wouldn't have that great of a turnout. But, you know, my crowd... Uh, My fan support is amazing. They came out and delivered, man. And uh, it was really, really, really an unreal feeling walking out to that cage. Um, actually, my opponent, I talked to him afterwards, and he said when he came out, and, you know, he's had over 40-something pro fights, he said that was the absolute quietest entrance uh, I've ever walked to the cage into. And he's like, and then you walked out, and it was just Crazy. He's like, I've never been a part of an entrance like that. So it was, it was pretty cool.
0: All respect goes to Ryan McIntosh for those of our listeners. Absolutely, don't know, he accepted the fight on less than it, really less than a day's notice, I think. And yeah, he was man. a weight class ahead of you, but respect goes to you too for accepting the fight still, and it happened. And congratulations to you on the big win, Jamel.
4: I appreciate it. Thank you so
0: much, Kelly. For those of our listeners who are interested we're going to have Jamel back in on the Kelly Patrick show soon so Jamel congratulations again have a great rest your weekend thank you so much we appreciate yes sir that. I appreciate it thank you we appreciate everyone tuning in to the weekend sports buzz this morning for Chris Embry I'm Kelly Patrick be sure to join us next Sunday I won't be back but the weekend sports buzz will be back next Sunday from 9 to 11 thank you